Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bagging Broadcast, episode number 272. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a sometimes weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out August 19th, 2015. Then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we're taking a look back at some of the comic books that came out in the month of July. Mm. We're going to be looking at Marvel Comics Lando number one, 1872 number one, and the Spire number one from Image Comics. I think it's Image. Image or Boom. Image or Boom. One of those two. Or IDW. Or IDW. It's an, it's an indie book. We'll get it right by the time we actually do the review of the book. Don't worry, people. We're professionals. We're professionals. We We're always pro- drink on the job. And that's right. So, and, uh, what, and what are you drinking, Chris? Uh, well, what I am drinking is actually a collaboration from Smutty Nose Brewing and Stone Brewing. And this is Custer's Last Stand. And this is an Imperial IPA that I didn't realize was an Imperial IPA until I took my first sip of it. And I was like, ooh, nice. And then I went to check into it on Untapped and found out it was 8.6%. And I decided I really like stone beers when they're teamed up with someone that's really drinkable. like Smutty Nose because it tones it down a little bit. Uh, really nice hop on it. Got a nice little golden taste to it. I really like this one. Um, I want to say this bottle was only like $5.99. So it's a good price point. It's yeah. a solid Imperial IPA and 8.6. That's pretty good. I've been. I'm, I'm kind of regretting like pouring myself a full glass of this when I really haven't eaten today. Mm. Uh. I've been really enjoying, I've been really uh, trying to go after Smutty Nose beers because it's been so long since I've had them, and mm-hmm. everything they, everything I have had and have had recently are all good, drinkable beers. They are uh, just a steady standard of good beers. And that's the thing, like, with Smutty Nose, too, they were one of the first breweries that actually started kind of gravitating towards when we started drinking craft beer. Um, and the reason being, all of their stuff, like everything that they have as an offering, is really drinkable, and it's all pretty good. Um, and then just as we kind of branched out and started trying different stuff, I found more breweries that were kind of my go-to. So I I would pass over them, but yeah, I, I definitely agree. Yeah, it's... One of those breweries that is putting out a good staple beer, much like the beer we're drinking from a brewery that's real local to us, and this is Hamburg Brewing. Uh, and this is their Oktoberfest, their German-style Marzen, and it's not something that I hate. Hey. Sorry, we, I had we, to sneeze. We'll make them sneeze. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. It's all, the, it's all the Marzen. This is definitely, um, it's really hot here in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And for being an Oktoberfest. Oh, oh how hot is it? Because I, I just want to know. 84. You know, from... Oh, uh, it was 93 today. But it's really humid. Yeah. Oh, I'm uh, in Florida. And also, we're on the tippy-top of the United States, and you're on the itty-bitty bottom, so fuck you. Mr. <laughs> I live near the equator. We're away from the equator. We're practically in Canada. No, at, at my job today, um, I was processing shipment in our back room, and they're sending us, like, our fall slash, like, early winter stuff, and there were gloves in the boxes, and I was like, man, nobody in Florida has reason to wear gloves. Like, this is stupid. Why am I even taking these out? Because it's a fashion <laughs> statement in 
can. Uh, it, but yes, Hambry Brewing's yeah. Oktoberfest. Uh, it's Marzen. Five point seven percent alcohol, which uh, is, I think, a little on the higher side of an Oktoberfest. Yes, um, I would agree. You do have, a, you know, you got all those flavors that you get from other Oktoberfests. There's a little bit of a kind of a tinny nickely on the back end, a little which bit, is, but not as much as which is expected. I expect in an Oktoberfest, mm-hmm. um, goes down really smooth, and it's something that you could keep drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's nice on a hot day like this. It's very nice. It, it, yeah, it's a refreshing Oktoberfest, and it's actually got some flavor to it, unlike some a lot of the other Oktoberfests we had last year that made me basically swear off Oktoberfests. You mean like two, all the like Oktoberfests we had any time ever? Yeah, pretty much. It was just like, uh, why are we doing this to ourselves? Well, we wanted to do October. We were doing themed beers for the month, and that happened to be what we were doing. Yeah. It, it definitely opened my eyes to the fact that I just don't <laughs> like Oktoberfest. Yeah. Very true. But what do we like? We like news, we lo- right, guys? Yeah. We love news. Sorry, it was a rhetorical question that I had to answer for some reason. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, we were out for two weeks here, and uh, some news have passed us by, and it would kind of be weird to talk about it now. Uh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes life gets in the way of podcasting, and... Mm-hmm. That, that it happens. We do it for the love of the game. Yeah, you know, people. There are a lot of work issues. Uh, somebody got engaged. Hey, hey congratulations, yeah. Jono. Put that out there. To it's me. To a friend of the show too. Yeah. yeah. Actually, no, super friend oh, of the show because she's friend. been on it and has provided us beer quite a few times. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's that's how much we care about our listeners. We'll marry you. I'll marry you. I, I'm. So this is going to be really weird when she moves in here with us, right, John? <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, because, yeah, I live here. Yeah. <laughs> we have that joke going on. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we're able to keep up with our bagged and board, bite, board bites. Yep. Because <laughs> we just need to Hey, you, you did, like, of three of them, so. We had two. We did two. But oh, I thought it was three. Again, the life but by happened. that second one, you nailed it. But uh, we'll be able the to, angle was we'll be able to hop back on shot. those. Because I felt like a schmuck bugging Paul about doing them when he had so much stuff going on with yeah. his work. I was coming home from work and then podcasting and then going to bed and going right back to work. And he then, was working seven days a week. Yeah. First first week on, uh, first two days off in a row since uh, July 4th. Hey. Yeah, this past uh, Saturday, like this week, or last week I should say now, uh, it was my first day off in a month. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's so, yeah. Uh, sometimes stuff happens and you don't get to podcast. Yeah. Because we got to pay the bills around here, you know? It's we got to pay for and beer. And in that time, you start another podcast. Oh, yeah. And also, we took some time off so we could uh, let the new podcast breathe, right, guys? <laughs> it was yeah. all planned. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Yeah, Parks and Rec. Chris, it's yeah, um, your show. That's my show. Um, we put the Zero episode up on the Bagden board feed, so that was cool. Thank you very much for that. Um, it's fun. We have one episode out. Uh, we're recording the second one this week. It's the ever-growing, ever-changing uh, Disney Parks and Company website and podcast. Yeah, um, and huge news coming out oh of my Disney God, Parks. This- 
that you guys yeah. will probably p- talk about on that show a lot more than here. Yeah, well, that was the thing when I was like following the news that was coming out. I was like, is this Parks and Rec news or is this Bagden Broadcast news? Because, like huh. we said, in uh, I don't even remember what episode it was. Uh, Disney now owns your childhood, so Marvel, Lucasfilm, lots of goodness came out from the every other year annual. I don't know what you call that. It's not biannual, is it? Uh, semi-annual. Yeah, yeah semi-annual. It's semi-annual uh, D- twice a year then. D twenty-three Expo. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of really cool stuff. I think it's biannual. Biannual. Isn't like biannual mean like? No, twice semi-annual is twice a year. Okay. Because it's like a hemisphere. Hemisphere. Semi. I don't know. Anytime I start thinking about like biannual or semi-annual or anything like that, I just start thinking about car commercials. Yeah. It's like it's the semi-annual sale or the Rocktoberfest. Hmm. Toyota-thon. But uh, what was the news? News is getting away from us. Thank yeah. you, Paul. <laughs> No matter how often Can you tell it happens. it's been a while since we've done this? Yeah, it feels that way. <laughs> but we've been doing it for six years. It should be like riding a bike. Nope, two weeks off. That'll do it. Oh. Yeah. So, Star Wars Land, coming to Disneyland and uh, Disney and, World, right? Yep, uh, coming to Disney's Hollywood Studios and Disneyland, a whole Star Wars-themed area. They haven't given a start or end date for it, but... They teased what's going to be coming to it. Uh, updates to Star Tour. So, Paul, we will now have a new That's coming dream this goal. year. The, the update to Star Tour is to actually tie into Episode 7. Yep. And it seems like that's going to be the first thing that they're actually going to be launching into the parks because everything else involves... Ah, uh, launching into like, the parks. I see what you did there. <laughs> everything else involves, like, millions and millions and millions of dollars and years worth of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be the first thing they can do, probably, I'm guessing, in time for the launch of The Force Awakens. And that's just fan speculation here. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that, that I think they have actually come out and said that they plan to have an update for Star Tours, you know, just to g- incorporate some of the Star Wars uh, Awakens, Star, yeah, Force Awakens in there. Um, but then planets. also announced, is that, like, in that whole Star Wars theme line, it's going to be taking you to a brand new planet that's never seen, been seen before, so they can kind of start fresh and not have to play up to expectations. Uh, with two other attractions being within it, one where you ride along the First Order versus the Resistance, which is, I guess, what they're calling the Rebels and the Imperials in The Force Awakens. And then another attraction that's going to be putting you on board the Millennium Falcon on a super secret mission. Mm. Ooh. Wait, um, I get to then, ride in the Falcon? You do. Ooh. So, rusted piece that'll, of junk. That'll be fun. Um, but then also coming is the Star Wars Launch Bay, which is actually taking over the art of animation or magic of Disney animation building in Hollywood Studios. It's basically where you get to go to draw characters and overdub uh, animation clips. Oh, Paul, yeah. you and I spent I, a little bit yeah. of time there. I, I had a lot of fun uh, there. Uh, I have to if we're going 
this this fall. I have to go there before they close it down again because oh, I it, have it actually drawing. closed down uh, last month. Oh, what? Yeah, I don't know. It was. I actually really like that area. Yeah, me too. You got out of the heat. <laughs> so much of it was tied into what uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios used to be mm-hmm. because they actually did uh, film animation there. But the last thing they did was like Mulan. And you can definitely tell because the whole, like, hey, here's how we draw cartoons thing was hosted by Mushu, the Eddie Murphy dragon. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't want to do that anymore because now he's the Eddie Murphy mule. <laughs> which, from, uh, uh, whatchamacallit. Which isn't a Disney movie. Uh, exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's why they wouldn't do it. But also, uh, tied into Star Wars and coming out of D23 is we got the first cast photo and announcement of the cast for Star Wars... Rogue One, which they're no longer calling a st- like Star Wars anthology. It's now a Star Wars story. Oh, just story. Which I, 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 I don't like that. Yeah. Star Wars anthology sounds so much classier than a Star Wars story. Um, but I don't ask me who any of these cast people are because I don't know any of their names or what they've been in. John's on but, it. They definitely look a lot more like downtrodden and somber than any other Star Wars cast you've seen before. Like, John, did you see this picture? Um, I saw that there was a picture, but I didn't. Um, I didn't really look at it. All right, I, I can vamp for a little bit if Paul wants to pull up the picture so you guys can take a look at it. Um, but this came out during one of the Disney Pictures panels that they had at the D twenty three Expo, and also announced here was the fact that. Colin Trevorrow, the director of Jurassic World, is actually going to be heading up Star Wars Episode Nine, um, and I think that's due to the fact that everyone and their mom and brother and sister and the kid that lives down the street oh, here they are. all went to go see Jurassic World this summer, which completely dominated everything ever. So hey, why not put the guy on Star Wars? Yeah, uh, definitely. And um, what, one of the lead people is uh, Mads Mikkelsen, Michelson, who uh, right now is playing Hannibal Lecter on the Hannibal TV series. Um, if he's like a Norwegian Wasn't that, actor. Didn't that get canceled? Did it get canceled? I don't know if it's... I, 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 I remember seeing people online complaining about it, and I was like, I didn't even know that show was still on. We got two seasons, which, I mean, it was kind of a crazy... Um, I didn't know Felicity Jones was an actual actress's name. I always assumed that was just a character name. Do you have the picture there, Paul? Yep. Can you turn the computer a little bit? Of course. They look so sad. Yeah, but yeah. they're in the middle of a war. You know, they're the ones fighting it. Uh, they didn't really announce too much else that we all already didn't know about Rogue One, um, except the fact that this is going to be a lot more boots on the ground. Alan Tudyk's in it. Oh man! Forrest Whitaker's in it. Is he? Yeah. Okay, I didn't see that part of it because I know both of those actors. People are, but, yeah. are wondering if it's all going to be led by uh, Big Dark Lighter. That's this internet speculation apparently now. Um, that's crazy. I don't know. I feel like this is just playing to the fact that like. Oh, many Bothan spies died to get this. I think that these might be those Bothan spies because even as a Star Wars fan, I don't even know what a Bothan looks like. So maybe they're like Corellians or Alderanians, Alderaners, whatever you call them. 
before their planet blew up. You call them morphins. Uh, no. I, as much as I'm looking forward to Star Wars The Force Awakens, I think Rogue One's going to be awesome. Yeah. And not just in that, like, oh, it's a Star Wars movie kind of way. I think it's just going to be cool. Yeah, I'm hoping that it's like the, you know, almost the re- like the sci-fi uh, Battlestar Galactica. Like that, you know, they go, you know, uh, kind of real dogfighting with shaky cams and everything. Everything's well, kinda, it's, um, John, I'm looking fighting. to you, the guy that did Godzilla, Gareth. Uh, Gareth Edwards. Um, yeah, he's. He's the guy that's doing Rogue One, and he did. I I really enjoyed Godzilla a lot more than I thought I would have. Yeah. So, um, and he like also, that aesthetic he went al- to Star Wars. I think is it's going to be cool. It's almost like a uh, Saving Private Ryan Star Wars kind of movie. And he also did uh, that Monsters that we watched oh. back uh, for the um, movie Podcast, fix yeah. uh, back when we used to do that, um, which was a good movie. Which is. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple traveling across the border ever through the yeah through the mon- this monster laden land. Hmm. Man, someone and there was Marvel news also at uh, D twenty three. Well, there there was a Marvel part to the whole like Disney Pictures hmm. panel. Um, they really didn't announce anything, but if you were there in the crowd, you got to see a clip from Captain America: Civil War. And oh. then they had a Doctor Strange presentation. Uh-huh. They included a clip from Benedict Cumberbatch just talking about the movie, and then a whole bunch of concept art, and then some quick uh, like CG special effect work, which actually shows like Doctor Strange casting some spells, which is supposed to look awesome, as well as uh, having the costume look pretty much comic based. So all the stuff they could have shown off at Comic-Con, but decided that they want to hide it behind their own closed doors at yeah. D23. And I really think this is the reason why we're seeing Marvel no longer at Comic-Con, because they can not have to worry about paying those fees, because, hey, you know what? We do our own convention every other year. Yeah, but people aren't talking about that that news as much as they would have if it came out during Comic-Con. Like, people would have been lined up at Hall, what, Hall, Hall H... H. Holly, yeah, like Holly H is a big forever, one. and you would have been waiting, and I would have been clicking on my mouse, <laughs> like refreshing for the live stream, live, you know. But now they've made it one. They've made it. You now want to go to D twenty three. You now want to do this because mm-hmm. all your Star every year there's going to be a Star Wars movie coming out. That's true. Every and, year there's going to be two to three Marvel movies coming out. And here's the thing, too. Like, this is every other year that Disney does this. So next year, maybe we'll see Marvel back at San Diego Comic-Con. I think a lot of – I think they're happy to not have to do it. (laughs) I think it's a lot of work. That's true. Not that Marvel needs the attention, but there's a lot of stuff coming out of Comic-Con. So why not be the big dog in the room? Well, you took your ball and went home because you didn't have enough. You, you weren't sure you were going to be the big dog in that room. See, so. I, I just think they were just like, hey, we can do it over here, and it's cool. We can be more relaxed. We don't have to put on a big show. We don't have mm-hmm. to go crazy. I think they're just looking for a reason that they're already 
going a million miles yeah. per hour with yeah. all of their different phases, and <laughs> why not just be cool with it? And be relaxed and not put in the work for your fans that are showing up to places like Comic-Con that want to hear this news. But that wanna... The fans that go, oh, I missed a whole day because I stood in line and then didn't get in to see that. <laughs> or I stood yeah. in line and I didn't do that. That frees them up to go and do something else at that giant uh, convention because mm-hmm. there's too much stuff going on. Everybody who's anybody who's making anything is making an announcement there. Yeah. You know? So why not do their own? Very true. Very valid point. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're you might welcome. Not, you might not see Marvel at San Diego Comic Con, but do you know who you're going to see on uh, season four of Arrow? Yes, but you're also going to see uh, Matt Ryan, who played John Constantine on Constantine. The short lived NBC series? The short lived NBC series uh, will be making appearance as Constantine. Uh, in Arrow, and I'm kind of happy about that. I'm happy that he lives on because I enjoyed the show. I thought it was pretty a pretty good adaptation of that character. Yeah, and I'm, we talked about this on the podcast before, but I think I only watched maybe like three or four episodes, and I just kind of fell behind because life stuff happens. I, I like that Arrow, which is a successful show, is adding a little bit more life into Constantine after the show didn't succeed, even though people were rallying behind it. Yeah. Uh, and kind of in related news, there's some sort of feud going on between Oliver Queen actor Stephen Amell and a wrestler, Stardust. Have you seen this? Yes. I, I don't know what this is or where it came from, but I saw a clip of like Stephen at some sort of WWE event where he got called out by a wrestler and then like jumps over the railing and then into the ring and then starts like air quotes punching him. Yeah. And then the wrestler like gets up and like runs off. I don't know what's going on, but it kind of makes me want to like watch SmackDown or whatever this is going to be on because they're going to be, they have beef. You can just watch the clips. Yeah. It's just promotion stuff. I, I know, I mean, but like, I, I, this isn't like some sort of like, oh, like DC Entertainment's teamed up with the WWE. Like, how did this happen? You, you see it all the time. You see, like, William Shatner wrestling a guy and beating a dude. Wait, like, what? Yeah. Everybody. I John did not Stewart, see that. John Stewart had a beef with uh, one, of those, one of the wrestlers from uh, NXT. Yeah. You just have, you have a beef, and then you show up. And then you do something you, as an actor, usually wins after maybe getting, like, hit or, you know, your back was turned and they hit you with a chair. <laughs> it happens all the time, Chris. I, I've been all so the out time. of the wrestling Just game. look up, like, celebrities. Just, can someone tell me how Macho Man Randy Savage is doing? <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, I know. He's picking apples out of a tree. There was a tag team with Cindy Lauper at one time too. Cindy Lauper was uh, was wrestled once. Well, yeah, because like Captain so, Lou was in all their stuff. Yeah, yeah. So either like Arrow is bigger than I thought, 
Or wrestling's or the not, WWE just needs that much help. I don't know. No, I think it's one of those things that Stephen Amell was just like, hey, you know what? I want to do something with wrestling. And then, boom, he does, because that's what he does. He does boom. The shots. Boom. He does boom. He boom. That's what he do does. He's all, I mean, that guy is always on Facebook, uh, taking letters, raising money for charity. He's... He just he runs a winery. Yeah, he does. He what? He thinks about doing something and then he does it. Yeah, he's Casey Jones. Yeah, and he seems just like a cool guy. Yeah, uh, he put up a thing the other day. He was in his uh, aero costume and everything, but he had uh, a normal stunt that he does all the time. He landed funny and took a chunk out of his tongue. Oh, cool. Uh, so he's kind of talking like this. And he was like, he had like an 18 minute video where he was just talking and saying like, oh, I feel like an idiot. It's a stunt I do all the time. I hurt myself. <laughs> and then he was, and then he was raising money for something. Like, that's what he does. So cool it's, guy. Boom is what he does, man. Boom. That's what he does. Boom. Uh, is that it for news? I thought we well, had no news. Well, speaking about it keeps on rolling on. Uh, speaking about other things that went boom, Fantastic Four was not one of them. Oh. <laughs> No, no, that was a box office not buster. But it still did better than The Man from Uncle. Yeah. Which is surprising. Yeah. Mind boggling. Mind boggling. My mind was boggled, Paul. I think we need to set your mind straight by doing a Bagnum Broadcast Summer Movie Bracket Buster Blockbuster Bracket Update. Oh, oh the final. Up. The final update. Summer Movie Blockbuster Bracket Buster Update. Because here we go. We got all the winners. Here's a. Uh, Here's all the matchups and all the winners right now. Avengers vs. Pan. Pan got DQ'd for landing outside of the summer. So Avengers moves on. Jurassic World versus Terminator Genesis. Everybody knew where this was going. Jurassic Park moves on. But nobody knew Terminator was going to do that bad. 28.7 million its opening weekend. Not the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Inside Out versus Minions. Minions moves on. With a cool over $100 million its opening weekend and Inside Out with 90.4. So that was one of the closest races right outside the opening weekends. And I'm sorry, everyone. You're wrong. The Minions are stupid and annoying. Inside Out had heart. Okay. It, it almost I thought it had cry. feeling. Because they're feelings. Yeah. It, it came yeah. at you with feeling. Uh, and then we had Tomorrowland versus Pixels. And Tomorrowland moves on with 33 million versus Pixels, luckily, 24 million. See? Thank God. Feel better, Terminator Genesis. At least <laughs> you weren't Pixels. And then Mission Impossible Rogue Nation opened up with 55.5 million versus Man from Uncle. Oh, Man from Uncle. So sad. 13.4 million dollars opening weekend. Uh, that let me down. It, it's, but it looks fun. And that is like one of those it, movies that I can't wait to see come on on Redbox or something like that or even the cheap seats because it looks fun yes. that, that's the movie that out of those two I definitely want to see not just because I picked it but it it looks fun and it's not just because Simon Pegg uh, yeah well no no that's Simon Mission Impossible. Impossible well I know like that's why Mission Impossible looks fun because of Simon yeah. Pegg but it actually the whole Man from Uncle movie looks fun just on its own I heard it's supposed to be really good over-the-top action in yeah. Mission Impossible 2. I'm very excited. My dad really liked it. Yeah. but They put Tom Cruise on a plane. Not like in a plane, but on a, on plane. a plane. Oh, that's the old uh, George Harlan joke. Mm. Screw getting on a plane. I want to get in the plane. 
uh, Fantastic Four, which everybody's saying is a huge bomb, opened up with $25.6 million its opening weekend. So not that bad, you know? Still better than Pixels. So, it, it, how sad is it that you're looking up to Fantastic Four there's Pixels? Mm. How, bad? how bad? And to kind of talk about Fantastic Four a little bit, because... We definitely talked about it leading up to this, but I don't think any movie let people down more. Uh, everybody was giving was throwing dirt on the movie before, it, like what, as it was getting announced. Then more dirt was getting thrown on it as it got cast, and then more dirt was getting thrown on it as soon as we saw a trailer for it. And then even you know, so well, and then I when see, the I movie had, comes out, no the director the throws dirt, dirt on it, and everybody. I mean, by that time, it was buried. It was buried before it was released. You know, it was just... No, I don't think anybody was expecting much from the movie. Well, I think even as, you know, comic book and comic book movie fans, we didn't write this off automatically, even when other people were because, oh, the casting. Like, that that meant nothing to me. It was when I actually first started hearing about the turmoil and just all the drama behind the scenes... And then I saw that first trailer. I was like, I have no connection to anything that they're saying or how they're delivering it. Uh, you know that the first trailer, which was the Interstellar trailer, yeah. uh, didn't look bad. I'm like, okay, cool. They're, what they're the doing is the second trailer is like, looked good. I thought the first trailer looked better, the Interstellar trailer, because I'm like, oh, okay, they're going to go for this like big science fiction kind of like they're searching for something and they're going to find you know and what it is we don't know kind of and it's them trying to figure out what they found and then getting caught up you know i wasn't sure what it was going to be about but it looks sci-fi and cool and then the second trailer looked oh they're at this weird they go to this weird alternate dimension and that's how they get their powers and it looks like you know every other bad Fantastic Four movie so far, but without but I, without the what, love for those characters. Yeah. What I think is funny is as much as people said they didn't like or the first, well, not the first, but the 2000 Fantastic Four movies were, they're still rated at least twice as high on Rotten Tomatoes as a the lot current. Of, Fantastic a lot of people Four liked the Rise of Silver Surfer because people liked the Silver Surfer and they thought they pulled him off well. See, I think those movies had like a fun aspect to mm-hmm. it. They like, definitely had the feel of the family. Those characters—they—they yeah. they captured. They tried. They cap—they yeah. captured those characters as best as you can do in a movie. I, I think you can do better. Incredibles. Yeah, yeah but Incredibles—you also everything is computer yeah. animation. Right. Okay. Okay. You're the doing, best you can do with for a live, live action. action. Okay. I, I really, I think for. The, the company that was producing them mm-hmm. and what they had to work with, they did a great job of capturing that family dynamic and how mm-hmm. you would expect the Fantastic Four to work. You know, of course, you're going to have to work as a team, you know, but I think those movies captured that mm-hmm. somewhat. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would definitely agree. It might not have been the strongest depiction of that, but. You could still see the groundwork there. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, the Fantastic Four from Fox sequel still, still a go. Like they're still going ahead with it, even though this movie lost. I don't even remember how many millions. It was like 
I think it costs like two hundred million to make and promote, and it's sitting on top of like forty million earned worldwide, give or take. I don't have numbers in front of me. I think it's one of those things too. Is like they're writing it off as this is the director's fault, mm-hmm. even though the director's saying studio came in they kept giving me notes they changed things they went for reshoots they wouldn't let me make the movie i'm supposed to make mm-hmm. you know so i think it's well, yeah you got two different takes in two like, different oh, trailers yeah. you know <laughs> it's like which, what is that movie supposed to be and it became the second thing and not the first thing so um i'm still seeing the denny's commercials with the thing burger though so they're they're trying they're trying Trying to get that thing burger. Spoiler alert: the thing burger is basically just a burger, but then they put cheese on top of the bun and then melt it, so it looks like rocks. No, I thought they put rocks in it, like rock candy. No, no, no. Hey, let's finish the movie bracket uh, versus Ant Man with fifty-seven point two million. Ant Man moved on. Mad Max. Okay, and sidebar again because this is what I do. When I found out how much Ant-Man did its opening weekend, I was actually worried about it. Because I was like, oh, I really want Ant-Man to go ahead, not just because I picked it, but because I had I have had faith in this movie. Like, one of the first articles I wrote for BaggingBoard.com was actually about how people are worried about Ant-Man, but they shouldn't be. Uh, yeah, they shouldn't be, because it did well enough. Well enough to move on. Uh, Mad Max had a very had a good opening weekend, which I am looking up now. Versus Poltergeist, Poltergeist opened with twenty two million. Mad Max Fury <laughs> Road opened up with forty five million. I forgot about Poltergeist completely. <laughs> so did everybody. It else. wasn't even like a oh this movie's doing bad. Like I don't need to think about it. It was I literally forgot about. And that's it. how that's what's so weird about movie expectations, right? Like we're saying oh Fantastic Four, what a bomb, what a failure. Poltergeist did less, had a slow, uh, lower opening weekend, but nobody was expecting anything from Poltergeist. No, and that was a big remake, and a lot of movie went into money went into making that. And well, you know, Spielberg had nothing to do with it, so mm. that's probably why. Okay, well, he didn't have anything to do with Fantastic Four either. No, but he had. Uh, he he chose not to have anything to do with Fantastic Four. Uh, this just in: Steven Spielberg derides Fantastic Four. Uh, and then the last uh, opening weekend matchups we had was were Spy uh, with twenty nine million and Ted Two with thirty three million, making that the actually closest. I was gonna say that that's the closest. Uh, then from that there on, we had uh, Jurassic Park beating out Avengers. Uh, we had then Tomorrowland losing to Minions, so Minions uh, moved on. Ant Man Minions beating Mission Impossible. And Mad Max beating out Ted 2. Then, from there, we had Jurassic Park crushing Minions, Ant-Man beating Mad Max, and then, lastly, Jurassic Park. It was It's the tale of a giant versus an ant in the giant one. Giant Jurassic World beats out Ant-Man and wins the bracket. There and, you go. Uh... Steven Spielberg wrote Poltergeist. Oh, he wrote? Original. That's he wrote? why I said oh. Steven Spielberg didn't have anything to do with it. But it was based off his original script. So he did have something to do with it. So Based off well, his we work. Now, we now know what movie won, but who won overall? 
Well, for the preliminary math, a preliminary math, me doing it really quickly, shows that uh, I had 10 points. John and Chris, you had 9 points. And our friend of the show, very special friend of the show, uh, John, uh, Texas Wingnut, Mr. Wingnut to, uh, to us, uh, also had 9 points. So, and then Lexi, super friend of the show, uh, who put in her bracket, also received 10 points. So, so far she's in the lead. I have to go through all the other people that put in their numbers, but, uh, just real quick before, as we sat down to record, I, I worked out this math. So, I'll go through and the official numbers will be on our Facebook page. Check us out. Bagnum Board. Check us out. And Paul, I hand over the winner's hat to you. For now. Preliminary, you know, I, we got to go to the final decisions. Uh, and we've been doing this for four years. Mm-hmm. I won year two, Chris won year three, and you won year four. Yeah. If it, if the math holds. If the math holds. Uh, I, I really think it will. In something... Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> we, we haven't even reviewed this beer, and it's already gone. It's already gone. Uh, something that I'm worried that doesn't hold up is Longshell Brewing Company's Harvest Barn Ale. This is a brown ale that we had last year and we loved. Uh, uh-huh. I want to say that this was a brown rye ale last year. Mm, uh, that you, sounds good. You get the smokiness um, <laughs> of this brown. I get a little nuttiness. A little n- nuttiness, but there's a wateriness yeah. to it. I drank it so quick and I didn't even remember I drank I still thought I was drinking the... Uh, Oktoberfest? Oktoberfest. Uh, that's okay, because we got another beer to drink uh, for main topic with Chris's uh, second beer. But I just wanted to put this out there because I wanted to finish this. Mm-hmm. Um, a little sad this year. It's not as good as I, I feel it was last yeah. year. It's not that big brown nuttiness that I Last really year, want. I gave it a four out of five stars. Mm-hmm. This year, I would give it a three. Yeah. Maybe a 2. two 5. Yeah. Now you can do 2.75 on there, too. It's pretty cool. Chris. Yes. Are you drinking anything else? No, he had two beers. Uh, two beers. Not until main topic time. Oh, remember, right. remember, I just, oh, you just said, said that. You just said that. Yeah. <laughs> You just you just did, and maybe uh, maybe you want to tell us, Paul, what you are going to be reading for this week's list, the books that are coming out August nineteenth. Oh, that, that two thousand fifteen. Would... Yes, I can do that. Chris, what are you reading, bud? Can we take a pause, quick? I knew that was going to happen, and I'm going to pick after that nice pause. Thank you, guys. Uh, Bizarro number three, which. Ooh, we took the pause and then I closed the website down that I had it up. <laughs> but it's uh, being written and drawn by a nice, really fun team of writer and artist. And uh, uh, Keith Caruso. No. Oh, I thought that's what you said when you uh, gave me the notes. No, it's David Caruso. Yeah. No, it's uh, dun, 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 David Caruso. I'm taking my glasses off. There you go. And like Gustavo Jorge. Not Jorge. Oh. I miswrote what you told me then. I don't know, but it's fine. You know why? Because I'm going to look it up. It's not fine, Paul. <laughs> It'd be great if you were no. right the whole time, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you might be. You very well what might be, and I'm just misremembering. Because this is a misremembered road trip. This is a road trip to end all road trips between uh, our pal Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> And our pal Bizarro, Bizarro, who decides that uh, the only way to get rid of Bizarro is to take him to Bizarro America, Canada, mm. and <laughs> dropping him off there. And basically, Toronto is the Bizarro uh, metropolis. 
because you know Metropolis Tor- was based on Toronto. Uh, so why not? You know, let Bizarro be the Superman of the CN Tower. Hmm. So the writer, I thought you said Keith Caruso. Mm-hmm. The writer's name is actually Heath Corson. Uh-huh. So I was close. Yes, very close. You know, Skype interference, that happens. Uh-huh. And then on art, I had written down Gustavo Jorge. The actual artist is Gustavo Duarte. Duarte, yes. Mm. So, you know, when you're just asking, oh, who's on this book, quick. Yeah, you, you did very well. I, I, I did okay. For half, would, You know, and we always remember, you only half listen to Paul. That would be passable telephone rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hippopotamus wears purple bell-bottoms. I was pretty close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, the it was John Taylor was our 19th president. Like, you were totally wrong with your hippopotamus. <laughs> but, John, what, what book are you looking thank forward to? Thank you for to? that, and thank you for what book you're looking forward to. I'm looking forward to Rat Queens, number 11. Uh, it's been a while since this book has come out. Um, they had a problem. Uh, the artist had gotten sick and wasn't able to keep up with the book. And we have a new artist of uh, Tess Fowler, who's heiress to the Fowler Chocolate uh, Factory. Oh, that's not true. I made that up. That would have been great. That would have been a local. <laughs> I was going to say, like, we guys. could probably talk to her. And then uh, the writer on that, uh, Curtis uh, Weeby. I've been loving See, it. Okay, I had Dirtis Awabif. Oh. No, actually. Uh, Rat Queens is a book that we were told to review by a listener, and I... So glad we did. I love yeah. it. And um, I'm so glad that number 11 is going to be coming out, and hopefully it'll continue to come out uh, regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, your book. Here are you. Uh, not to continue the Star Wars talk, but my book is actually Star Wars number 8, coming out from Marvel Comics. Uh, this is written by Jason Aaron with... Oh... Wait. Steve Epting, right? No. For some reason, Comixology has the artist written as John Cassidy, which got me really depressed. But then uh, the solicitation says, new series artist Stuart Eminem joins the Rebellion. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this is a writer and artist that we have loved for the past couple of years here over at the Bag and Boardcast. And the two of them handling a property that we devoted a lot of time to the news to. This just makes sense. And this is Luke continuing his journey up to learn about the Jedi, uh, taking him to Coruscant. Because that's something that they really gloss over in the original trilogy, is the fact that Luke's trained to become a Jedi, but he really doesn't know what Jedi are. That's very true. So he takes a trip, field trip to Coruscant, visits the old Jedi temple? There you go. A lot of Where his dad killed babies. everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, the younglings. I, I feel like Yoda really was the best Jedi Master for Luke to learn from. Because he basically just had him, like, stacking rocks until he died. And running around with him on his shoulders. <laughs> Take me here, you will. <laughs> Give me your flashlight, you will. The store, I must go. <laughs> Master Yoda, that's not a store, that's just more swamp. Dreaming you are. Big city I'm from. Uh, <laughs> I, I think for some special we need to just do like a Yoda 
Luke training montage. Yoda, Yoda stay basically out. Basically, just Luke doing all the errands that Yoda couldn't do in like a hundred years on his own. Christmas special. Oh, maybe. Our own holiday special? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Our One life... that Lucasfilm will also doubt exists? <laughs> yeah, our Life Force, life Tree Day special. It'll be awesome when we're sued. Okay. <laughs> uh, and now, a dramatic reading of Night Force, number one, page six, panel two. Okay. Two of my new Night Force have met. The last will be joining shortly. One will die, but that's to be expected. And that was a dramatic reading of Night Force, number one, page six, panel two. Two years later, and that book's still terrible. (laughs) And I was really thinking about how to read that to try to sell it more. And all that thought was wasted. It was just, you know, still, that's all I came up with. It was horrible. That book ages like a fine Pabst Blue Ribbon in the back of your closet. Mm, Back of the trunk, just, you know, getting cold and warm and just bouncing around. Hot, cold, hot, temperate, hot, cold. Yep. Are are we going into the next beer? Or do we want to do uh, a couple books first? Chris, what are you drinking, bud? Uh, My next beer is actually from one of our kind of standby beers um this is from the boulevard brewing company this is part of their smokestack series and this is a bourbon barrel quad it's an ale that's been aged in bourbon barrels with cherries and this is a vintage 2014 and it's a quad Um, which is a belgian style or is that yes is a uh john this is something that you kind of would know about a little bit more because there's quad there's there's a double and then like double yeah well, uh, there's the the double, the quad, uh, and yeah, and triple. And triple. Yeah. So, so what what are they triple. counting? There, I mean, it's the uh, number of monks that it took to make. Uh, um, I don't remember. I used to know this. Yeah, I can't think of. I it. know we talked about it on the show we, before. We've, we've, <laughs> we've done a segment on it. Mm-hmm. This is why I threw it over to you, John. Well, you shouldn't have told me. I would have prepared. I, I don't know. I uh, thought it was knowledge that you just had. I do, but I can't think of it right now. It's okay. Um, this is very pleasant. It's gotten like those really nice tight bubbles that you would expect from a Belgian. Um, a slight cherry tartness on the back end Mm. not overly hoppy it's it's so smooth very nice very drinkable also 11.8 percent and yes this is another bottle that i will be drinking by myself so i'm guessing hour and a half i will be either playing diablo or asleep on the couch (laughs) where i was once playing diablo um this is very good. This is something that I picked up because I saved on one of the other bombers that I was going to drink for the show, but then I drank a little early. Um, but man, Smokestack series, Boulevard, you really knock it out. What was the uh, coffee one that we had from that? From them? Yeah, Boulevard. It was part of the Smokestack, so it comes in like the bigger bottle with just like the kind of plain brown uh, we've had so many from them but they're, they've all been like 
yeah. really decent no, offerings. We, we've liked all of them. Um, the the rye the rye aged in whiskey barrels from them is probably one of our favorites. What was that one called? It's probably just rye aged in whiskey barrels. <laughs> they're with their regular beers. They're not. They're a little bit more explorative with the names, but the smoke sacks is basically just like, hey, yeah, here's what this, this beer is. This is the rye. It was like rye on rye, wasn't it? Yes. Because we had a few bottles of that, didn't we? Yeah, I kept getting it. So I just looked up uh, the, you know, on Beer Advocate, uh, double, triple, and quadruple, or quad. And uh, basically they're saying, hey, it, it actually is, uh, people have taken the naming convention. But honestly, when it came from way back in the day, was a, a monastery started producing a second beer, and they called it the double. Mm. It was they had the first beer they had, and they just called it you know the beer, and they called their second one the double, and it was it just happened to be a little stronger, but not twice as strong, and people kind of took it and ran with it, meaning twice as strong. Uh, today, doubles are always the strongest sweet brown ale with uh, Belgian yeast. A triple is a very dry golden beer that's also a Belgian a Belgian golden strong ale. Okay, before you say what a quad is, this is a little bit more amber. Yep. Like reddish. Mm-hmm. And strong. Uh-huh. Yeah, yep. 11.8. Yep, so it's a Belgian dark strong ale is a quad. So you right. got your Belgian golden strong ale, which is triple, and then a Belgian dark strong ale is a quad. And a double is just a strong, sweet, sweet uh, Belgian-style ale. So there you go. Okay, so even from the descriptions of them... Mm-hmm. Like, the quad seems like something I would appreciate a little bit more. Yeah. I'd imagine so. Uh, And it looks like there's the Dark Truth Stout, which was an American Imperial Double Stout that we had from the Smokestack series. Mm. Um, We had a lot from that series, from the Smokestack series, but I I don't see a... there was a chocolate one we did. I don't see a coffee one. I, I think the Smokestack series is like Ithaca's Excelsior, except they come out with a lot more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's I, not just an annual yeah. thing. It's like, oh, what do we have that we have like very little of? Call it a Smokestack. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking through their, what I've checked into their stuff, and those are the ones that I've checked into. That, that was the closest thing to a... Uh, a coffee one that right. we have okay. in them. Well, enough reviewing beer, guys. Let's review some Oh, we didn't some talk about books. our beer. Yeah, you get... What? Oh, uh, we're drinking oh, Big man. Hundo. Oh, man. Yeah, you guys got a beer to talk about, too. Uh, we're drinking Big Hundo from IPA from Magic Hat. Uh, their big thing is this is 100 IBUs, which I was like, wow, 100 IBUs. Then I looked up, and I've had much higher <laughs> IBUs. Uh, I'm guessing Torpedo from Sierra Nevada. That one didn't even... Uh, appear on the list that I was looking at. Wow. Um, but, like, uh, Devil Dancer from Founders. Re- Wait, really? Yeah, it's like 120. Or the no, it Devil was, Dancer was sounds really smooth. Devil Dancer was 200 IBUs. Um, and, what, <laughs> and what you have with Magic Hat is just um, an IPA that you don't get a lot of IPA. You just get some bitter on the back of your tongue. Um, it, it's not that great. Uh, Torpedo, extra IPA from Sarah Nevada is 65 IBUs. 
Wow, no. Yes, according to rapebeer.com. Okay, maybe I need to have Torpedo again because I haven't had it since we had it on the show. Mm-hmm. But that just seems like so much more bitter. Yeah, uh, there's solid bitterness. See, this one, like John was saying, not a lot of bitter up front. It's that just lingering bitterness that just coats the tongue, and that's all you're left with is that dry, bitter flavor. Yeah. And this is... Um, it's okay. Like, it's okay. It's not a bad, mm-hmm. but it's there's so many other things worth drinking. And I feel like they did this just to be like... We hit a hundo. We hit a hundred. And then it's like, there's a beer out there that's 2,000 IBUs. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, the ghost pepper, like, yeah, I'm just hot saying, sauce. I'm just saying, like, like, like I, I did a list of, like, it was over 50 of the top, of the highest IBUs, mm-hmm. and they still were over, all of them were over 100. Like, mm-hmm. it was 105 was the one on the last one on the list. Yeah, but the thing is, Lake Erie Monster, which I consider a really strong, really bitter really deep rich ipa i wouldn't ate. say i wouldn't say it's bitter at all i think you get a lot more of the fruit on a yeah. lake erie monster yeah. mm-hmm. i think it's big and round and it's full of flavor and i would agree with all those statements and then it's the bigger flavor than this and this ibu rating is 80 versus 100 but the the ibus does talking more yeah. about the bitter yeah and not the full. Uh, what, what, well, the thing is, the, maybe looking, those other flavors just rounded out yeah. enough that you don't notice like the actual like bitterness quotient to it. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, if I go to a can and I see, oh, this is the alcohol rating. You know, that's a solid number. I know that I drink this, and I'm going to be like Chris, falling asleep or playing <laughs> Diablo three. Uh, more than likely, Diablo two because I'll forgot that I have Diablo three. Uh, it's whereas an IBU number right now that now that we're talking about it, it's it's that number doesn't quantify anything for me right now because this beer isn't huge in my face like I thought it was going to be. It's just that lacking. Uh, it feels like somebody's running a faucet, you know, of water over my palate until the very end where it just kind of dries out. Yeah, and that's the thing from like Sierra Nevada because something like Torpedo or even their uh, I don't know if it's like just their winter offering or Christmas like celebration like that's so piney bitter mm-hmm. yeah celebration like, that way I feel like that's more ridiculous. than a hundred or whatever this well beer that's that you guys thing. had was yeah the, the that number IBU apparently doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. You know, it's just like, oh, it's a bitterness rating. It's like, oh, you want to look a pine tree? Okay, eh, maybe that's it's this not number. A, it's not even like a Scoville unit, you know, like where you're like, oh, this means it's definitely hotter. Like The, the Scoville chart, I trust. Yeah, the, I, like, the ABV, I trust. The IBUs, I no longer trust. Yeah, agreed. Who's, who's IBUs this interna- suck. IBUs, who, who is the international? Who's the I in IBU? Is it just a bunch of Canadians and and some Swedes and maybe? <laughs> I'm just throwing all the cultures that I don't like and the Cubans. I like Cuban. Okay, they're full I'm of. Gonna it. Be, I'm gonna stop you there because I had a Cuban sandwich the other day and it was delicious. delicious. This is great. I've never had it, but since the uh, trade restrictions were dropped and we now have an embassy, I was like, I'm gonna eat a Cuban. 
Yeah, and it's not like there's a huge uh, Cuban um, in Florida. Okay, this going back to boggles my mind. A Cuban sandwich has ham and pork. Yeah, Swiss cheese, pickles. It's the same and animal. <laughs> it's like saying it has chicken and grown-up chicks on it. It's got, it's got chicken and eggs on it. Yeah. Is ham just the cured version of pork? Is that how they, they're able to get away with it? Well, well ham well, is it, a very no, it's specific usually, cut. It's usually either um, like two types of two types of pork. Usually it's not, like a lot of times it's a shredded pork. So they're both basically pork. Yeah, but yeah. it's cooked two different ways. It's One is a salted preserved ham, and the other one's usually like a slow roasted uh, shredded meat. Or pork. So they're both pig. Yes. Yeah. It's double so pig. I had a pig sandwich with pig Swiss sandwich. cheese and, and pi- mustard. And pickle. There was a pickle on it. So if you got like a Philly cheesesteak hamburger, would you have the same problem with this? Like where they take a hamburger and then they put shredded, you know, the shredded uh, Philly cheesesteak steak on top and then like I, I, w- I would say so. Because, because you're like, getting, like it's a two, beef burger. It's two different parts of cow. But yeah, one's hamburger. It's Here's definitely hamburger. And the other one is a shaved steak. Somebody came up and said, so what? You're just giving me a ham, ham sandwich? And the guy was like, uh, no. And this shredded pork. There's, there's a thicker cut ham on it that hasn't been cured. Here you go. Eat this up, boy. Well, it was Mr. Really, what do you call It was this? really good, though. That's all I wanted to say. Oh, good. You know what was really good? The comic books that we read, maybe. Let's just get the show. I'm tired. <laughs> We've been recording for over uh, almost an hour now, and it's like, man, I feel like we haven't talked about anything. No. We, we talked about a lot. Let's talk. Two weeks not doing it takes it out of you. Yeah. Let's talk about books I've read a month ago. Yes. Uh, and let's start with Boom Studios' uh, The Spire, oh. uh, written by Simon Sperari and Jeff Stokely. Um, Art done by a five-year-old. Jeff Stokely. No, that was better than a five-year-old, but better than I could do. It's a, It's a different i mean it's kind of real it's like realistic slash cartoony um who's the who's the artist that did um league of extraordinary gentlemen i don't can't think of his name oh gosh um i i hate because this is one of those things that i know but i don't i keep thinking of the guy who did uh killing joke oh um, You're thinking well, about Brian Boland, but yeah. it's someone in that si- class Isn't it of Simon, Simon something? No, it's not. That's okay. Let's talk Anyways, about the actual that, book. That, the oh, art reminds right. me of, of that artist. Uh, this is a story of a far-off land um, that has kind of the feeling of an Old West, but also very sci-fi and also Middle Ages renaissance kind of a thing going uh, in on? the future where they lost the access to technology and like almost a deserted planet of all these different yeah. races are now together because and there's, there's different kingdoms and there's different uh, uh kevin o'neill on art from league of extraordinary gentlemen there it is thank you it, it was bothering me i had to look it up <laughs> Uh, and this is following uh, one of the sheriffs of the lower levels of this one. The watchman. 
you know it, it seems like they're even she's even less deputized than like well, she's she the, doesn't mean as much because yeah. she's the the yeah. lead law enforcement of the bottom mm-hmm. of this spire uh who has some powers mm-hmm. uh definitely there's some kind of ability to her and then she's the, a skin shaper and then there's a murder of a high-end official mm-hmm. uh, down in her area. And she's called up to say, hey, you need to yeah, solve so this. Right quick. Right quick. Because otherwise you're going to get shit down. Uh, and there's definitely some other plot twists going on uh, during this yeah. book. Um, she's uh, certain, you know, she's a skin shaper or whatever they call her, reshaper. She's kind of looked down upon because because uh, she's cool. awesome and weird. Like the only interesting thing about the book, mm-hmm. yeah. And she drinks coffee and smokes a cigarette while figuring out this murder mystery in this weird post-apocalyptic Middle Ages future or past distant land. I enjoyed this book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I liked it. I thought the art fit the tone. I thought it was interesting. It's hard to come by a good sci-fi book these days. Mm-hmm. She's a hard-loving, hard-living kind of skin-shaping sheriff. There you go. Uh, and I've read this more than a month ago. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have a chance to review this book uh, too much, but I did enjoy. I did enjoy it. Uh, I plan on picking up issue two. Um, I liked it. Yeah. yeah. Guys, your thoughts? You know, I, I kind of, like, summed up my... Yeah, she is the most interesting character, because it's the only character you really spend any time with. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a little... Ham- I think they come on a little strong with... No, no, she's hard-loving, you know, with the whole scene with her and her girlfriend. And then, uh... If it was a girlfriend, I don't even know. It was. Know. She was okay. a princess. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's drinking coffee and smoking the cigarette, and she talks, doesn't take no gruff from the guards, yeah. and she busts their heads together, and then she is definitely play-acting. I did enjoy the uh, Scarlet Pimpinel bandit that she was chasing <laughs> at the beginning of the book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where he would just throw on these airs every once in a while, but, you know, and they would be in the different script. Uh, and then suddenly, you know, when he couldn't like, figure Carl, out, you left the diamonds down there, you idiot. Yeah, it would drop out into a regular script, uh, you know, comic book kind of scripting. Uh, I thought that was fun. But, you know, honestly, there's there's stuff there. It just didn't hook me. But I can understand mm-hmm. why you're hooked. Like, are interested in picking up <laughs> issue, too. I want it. It's not Rat Queen. Like, Rat no, Queens not, was no. like, whoa. This is Okay, everything's here. There, uh, and for whatever reason... This is all grabbing me right now, and there's only nitpicky things I could get, you know, that I I, I could, you know, pick on. Here, I, the art was like kind of off putting, you know, I was a little off put by it. So maybe that kept me more at arm's distance than really enjoying this book. Maybe if I liked the art a little bit more, maybe maybe I would have been a little bit more hooked into it and enjoyed it a little more. But here. You know, it always. I never got closer than arm's distance with it. And I wouldn't say this is an outstanding no. must-read book. I found it interesting enough mm-hmm. to want to pick up issue two and give it a three-issue try. Yeah, right. But every itch that this would scratch for me, 
is scratched by Requiems. So therefore, you know, with limited time and limited budget, yeah, I will. Uh, and I would say, um, what is it? Trees? What? What was the? The woods. The woods. I yeah. think the woods is a much better book and a much better feel. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's that's nice. it's definitely. No, no, it's, it's enjoyable. It, yeah, it would go between those. It's a good book to have right in between those two, but I don't need anything there. Like yeah. I'm like, read the woods or I'll read Red Queens. I don't need a mixture of both. Like, I don't need a Cuban sandwich of those two books. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like the art a lot, but the story itself just didn't do anything for me. Yeah, and now that I know this is from Boom Studios, it made me want to check out something that we read a couple months ago, Feathers, a yep. little bit more, because it's a similar style in artwork. And don't ask me who did Feathers, because I don't remember. Um, but the story is so much more engrossing. Like, I like the pseudo-futuristic past that we get in the art, but Ultimately, the story just, I was reading it because it was part of the artwork, and it just didn't draw me in at all. So, Paul, I kind of have a similar feeling, but reversed from what you came out of with. Hmm. If that makes sense at all, I'm sorry. I don't know. No, 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 that does. Uh, Jorge Corona does uh, Feathers. And I would agree, Feathers is a much better book mm-hmm. than this. I And actually... In, I would probably pick up issue two or whatever of Feathers over the Spire. Mm-hmm. No, but the Spire, it's a <clears throat> decent read. It's if you want a strong female lead character that's out on it's her versus the world, and the world is definitely stacked against her because of who she is. And it's a murder mystery set in this wild Westian post-apocalyptic Renaissanceian Middle Ages planet. That seems appealing to you at all. Definitely worth a shot. You know, yeah, it's, and that's it's what's great not about bad. Boom. You no, know? it's not. It's what's that? that well, and that's what's great about Boom. Yeah, is that Boom today puts out that book. It's and this isn't something that Boom I think would have done five years ago. Is put out this book. They would have to do it like as a full, you know, series first, and maybe do it as a big prestige trade. They're willing to, do, to take a shot on this, you know, which I think is great for them. I think, and I appreciate that it's that the publisher is, is still doing is willing to do that. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I, no, you no. guys had other points, and I no, no, that I, no, I, I think we're, we're. I feel like my point was made. Yeah, I think we're done talking about it. Uh, and why don't we go to the second best book of uh, what oh, we're you, you can't you can't say that because my second best book might not be yours. Yeah, but he bought them, so I think he's allowed to. Well, yeah, these, and then we could these do... were all John babies. All right. Well, what what is your second favorite book? Uh, my second favorite book would be 1872. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Okay, okay, that's the we're second best book. <laughs> Hey, if you ever wanted Marvel characters to appear in an actual Wild West and not a weird Wild West of a Middle Ages post-apocalyptic world, but the actual Wild West, uh, this book might be for you. 
here we got St- Sheriff Steve Rogers going toe-to-toe with the now kind of corrupted mayor of the city, King Wilson Fisk, Wilson King Fisk uh, who is in now in deep in the pockets of uh, Governor Raxon of the Raxon Mines. Raxon, of course, being the villain from uh, Thor, uh, the Minotaur villain. Yeah, they've always just been kind of some sort of company. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, right. com- that's the perfect way to describe it. They're a company in the Marvel Universe. Because uh, Raxon has appeared in, I believe, the Iron Man movies hmm. and uh, Agent Carter. Hmm. But and I think you saw something in the latest Avengers movie too. Yeah, yeah. There was Rex and Trucks or something. They've probably had a building in some sort of Spider-Man movie too. Um, but yeah, and then you have the drunk of the town, former uh, Smith <laughs> Weston manufacturer, uh, Tony Stark. Uh, the Doctor of the Town, uh, Bruce Banner. Uh, and this is kind of a fun Wild West story. Um, the art fits the book. Uh, who uh, was this? Jerry Duggan and who on art? Um, I wasn't ready for you to ask questions. Uh, Jerry, I can pull it up. Jerry in like a Duggan second. and Nicole of Nicole Vitarella. I thought the art was really good. I thought the, they pulled off. Because the thing with Marvel is that they're not always in costume like DC is. DC, basically, those characters kind of have to be in costume. Otherwise, they kind of, you know. It's Clark Kent is Bruce Wayne just with glasses every once in a while. And here, I think they pull off pretty well. Oh, yeah, that's the blonde-haired guy. He's Steve Rogers because they're telling me it's Steve Rogers. I guess he is. But, you know, he, he has a Steve Rogers Captain America physique. Uh, ben Ulrich. But, uh, but also he's like the goody-goody sheriff. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that looks like Iron Man, kind of. Well, I thought they pulled it off pretty well. But Wilson Fisk just looks like Wilson Fisk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just walks in and I'm like, is he out of time or is he, no, is he dressed for the era? I don't even know. Uh, is he Boss Hog? Is he? I don't when I picked up this book, I thought it might have been something coming from um, was it sixteen oh two? Yeah, uh, yeah, the Neil Gaiman, like Andy and Cooper, you, and you had the uh, Steve Rogers kind of Native American caveman, what have you, from the New World with uh, Aurora. In that book. And I thought, oh, there's a tomahawk on the front. Oh, maybe that's going to be something that ties into that character. So I was kind of surprised when it was more of its own thing. The Steve Rogers sheriff of this small town, which I thought was I, fun. Yeah. I feel like this is very much in that vein, though, where it's like someone just picked a random point in time. I was like, eh, tell a Marvel story based in this year. It's kind of the but it, wor- it works better than it should based off yeah. of that premise. Yeah, but the thing is, I feel like you know Marvel is doing the Assassin's Creed thing. Like, oh, let's think of a cool era to be to play in, and let's just put a book in that era. Then, you know, let's oh the Crusades, that's a fun era. Let's do that. Oh, uh, French Revolution, let's do that. You know, Assassin's Creed you can do it. Why why not the Marvel universe? But if you, I mean, they're not doing that with 
all the all books. books. No. I mean, this is just the this is the one book. Every really... once in a while, they get to do this, you yeah. know, and why not? And I think it... now I really want to see a <laughs> Marvel Universe French Re- uh, Revolution book. You know? Les Marvels. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is. This is a re- it's it's a really fun book and it does exactly what it's supposed to do with the old west and it still holds true to those characters. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the once big gunmaker who's now a pacifist. You have Steve Rogers holding everything to the line of the law. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean it's an interesting twist on Ben Ulrich that they have in there. Uh and then, I mean, at the end, that last page when those hired guns like are, walking, are walking into town. It's bullseye and... So. Lady Death strikes one of them. I can't get the guy with, like, the furs on him. No, but... And then, is that Doc Ock? Who's that big... Who's the big dude? Who knows? I, I don't know. I need to we, look at that page we, again. I went Even though I did say, oh, they did a really good job by capturing these characters outside of their regular costumes. <laughs> and then you pull out that page, and I'm like, oh, my point has now been disinvalued. Dis- yeah, dis- but I mean, it's, disvalued. I mean. Oh, maybe that's Electra. I think it might be Electra, because she's got the she's side. She's got the side. <laughs> so it's interesting. I, You know, you don't have to always get it. I mean, the reason you know it's Bullseye is because they drew a fucking yeah, bullseye, bullseye on his head. <laughs> You know, yeah. is that Doc Ock? He's a portly dude with glasses, you know? It would be awesome, though, like, he throws his coat back and, like, eight arms come out with guns on him, like, spring-action guns, and he's firing mm-hmm. off of those. Like, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's a fun, it's a fun, it's a fun book. Yeah. And I don't read a lot of Western comic books. I mean, I delved a little bit into Jonah Hex. I like... That's after seeing uh, the movie, and he were just such a big fan. Because <laughs> I'm sure there's a Jonah Hex movie fan out there somewhere. Um, I've, I like the book, or I liked the book. I haven't read anything besides, like, the first two or three trade paperbacks. I like um, Big Thunder Mountain from Marvel and Disney Press in theory. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I like I like westerns in addition to The Quick and the Dead and Tombstone. Um, Wild Wild West. What? Why are you guys naming, like, the worst cowboy movie? Tombstone's good. Tombstone's not the, that good. It's too good. long. Okay, I've actually been to Tombstone. <laughs> it was kind of cool. Um Okay, what's another good is western? Bu- is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid a western? I'd say I it's a western. Okay, good, because that's my favorite then. You yeah. just like Sundance Robert Redford. Well, yeah. It's great. I mean, um, Magnificent Seven, The Wild Bunch, like, there's some... Like the Magnificent okay, Seven. those are western westerns, though. I'm trying to think, like, more modern takes <laughs> on it. So I'm sorry, John. Um, Shanghai but- Noon? Shanghai Noon is so much fun! <laughs> You watch yourself in this house when you talk about Shanghai Noon. Um, I was just like, he said modern western. I threw that out there. <laughs> Madrick. Madrick. All right. Uh, 310 to I, Yuma. I, I like the Great t- western. Um, I liked Tony Stark being the town drunk, but I also like him being like, like the crazy inventor that makes the fortune teller that's just sitting outside the saloon. <laughs> the vision. <laughs> Um, the visions of the it, it's future. It's a fun book that I liked more than I thought 
I would have based off of everything coming out of uh, Secret Wars. I've been enjoying those the Secret War or the Secret War tie-in, like not the time books, but those books that are way out that have nothing to do with Secret Wars at all, like this <laughs> Which, one. Almost my pick for uh, the list this week was A-Force number three, because it's the ladies of A-Force traveling through the 1872, like, world? battle world, <laughs> being chased by the Winter Soldier. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys it have... makes no sense when you just read the solicitation, so <laughs> I was like, eh, maybe not my pick, but this is definitely a book I want to read. Did you guys enjoy that the name of the town was Timely? As in Timely I did. Comics? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought everything yeah. everything that was those little tie-in mm-hmm. Easter eggs were, were great. Yeah. They fit great in this book. It's one of the everything best Everything I liked about books. this book is what I wanted from the uh, Disney Kingdom's Big Thunder Mountain book. Yeah. And everything that I got from Lando was exactly what I was expecting from Lando. It was everything I'd want from Lando. Yeah. Uh, and this agreed is on both fronts, yes. Written a- by Charles Agreed Sol. or a Guido on both fronts. <laughs> Shut up. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> written by uh, Charles Soule and art by Alex Maleev, Uh which means it's going to be a great-looking and well-written book. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we have with Lando. Uh I'm now going to look up the relationship. You know, the one thing with uh, Lando's smooth talking in this book, not as smooth as I was hoping for. Well, you okay, can't no, capture I, Billy D's delivery. You can't, you can't. You couldn't. And he didn't. And Charles Soule, man, that kind of, it kind of lacked little Soule. Uh, just saying. All right. I, I'm going to disagree with you because I went to this book thinking, like, all right, Lando's a pimp. He's a guy that can play it cool. That's why I want out of this book. Because you don't get much else from Lando in the original trilogy. So this book starts off with him just like sweet-talking a lady that he's trying to get something out of. You know it's not true. But he it? already got what he wanted. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. It, it totally works, though. And then it's him trying to sell it to Lobot for the rest <laughs> of the issue. <laughs> Lobot, don't you trust me? Everything's going to be cool. But then you get Lobot being like, no, I had this computer installed in my brain to run the odds, and dude, come on. <laughs> which this, is which is it, the best take on this character, because all you knew in, from the movies is that Lando's got a little thing on his wrist, and he goes, boop, 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 and then the dude, like, wakes up. Yeah, and, and then, then the guy's, Lobot can point in a direction. <laughs> yeah, and you don't, like, you don't even know that that's his name until, like, the credits... Mm-hmm. You know, until so, you bought the action figure in like 1994. <laughs> so, yeah, it's something that like you you have only small idea of what this book could be, but this is Lando before he was a Coruscant, the Sky City. What's that called? Bespin. 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 Thank you. Well, technically, I'm gonna get nerdy. That's it's right. at Cloud City. Orbiting the gas giant of Bespin, mm-hmm. because they mine the gas for something or other. Yeah. Star Wars, you know. Hey, Star Wars rides coming. Do you guys hear about that? Yeah, yeah. And and uh, you know he's there to catch all the ladies that truly belong right among the clouds. And uh, you know 
he calls Han an old space pirate. He's got these ties to how did a scoundrel like you get here? I want to know how a scoundrel like him gets there. And this is the book that's leading the way that I never really want to see him. Somebody I... left the old position. Nobody was paying attention to who was going to take <laughs> over. And then, boom, you're the guy. Uh, but and I never suddenly putting together Cloud City. It's, in this book, I never really want to see him get to Cloud City. I want mm-hmm. this to be that, like, hey, we did it. We're finally on, oh, we're actually ten steps down. We yeah. can't you, get there. You because... want this to be Lando's big heist, which is basically like the first five pages of the book where he thinks he's coming out ahead, but then he's like two steps back. Uh, I want him to be the smooth talking. Uh, you want it to be Firefly. No, uh, no. I want him to be the smooth talking dude from Big Lebowski. Cause okay. the dude just constantly, every time he thinks he's ahead, he falls 10 steps behind and it's just constantly shit happening to him. Mm-hmm. So I want that with Lando. I want that thing like, hey, I finally did it. I've We've made it, Lobot. And then be like, oh, wait, we just got robbed because we left it all mm-hmm. in that suitcase. I thought you had the bag. You <laughs> thought I had the bag. Now we're back to square one. I don't want them I to think, be bumbling idiots. I think idiots, Paul so. and no, John, you both kind of nailed it because mm-hmm. this is like halfway between Firefly and Serenity and the Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Because it's that like it's that Cuban no, sandwich of those two movies. <laughs> I knocked I knocked ten percent off of our marker, but I was successful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, but like, yeah, like, but I don't want to like, oh, we're bumbling idiots. Just that like, these circumstances just keep happening that keep them from rising to the top. <laughs> That's what I want. And Lando Star Wars always comic books have been great. And Lando always just being like. We'll get him next time. <laughs> no, it, it's not. We'll get him next time. It's like I have this score coming up. You're you're not going to believe it. Uh, and then spoilers because spoilers are always in effect when we do our look back. This book came out like three weeks ago, so there you go. Um, they're stealing a ship that belongs to an art collector for the Empire. Sure. Is that how it works out to be? Because I thought it was a cruise luxury liner, and everybody locked up their goods. And since it was a luxury liner, you know, it has a bunch of priceless artifacts on it because it needs to look fancy. And uh, since it was this uh, kind of like pleasure cruise ship for the high, you know, emeralds, emeralds, and everything in the Empire. The blue guy with the horns that you saw in one of the prequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it gets stolen because it was in dry dock. Dry storage, apparently, and uh, getting retrofitted or something. Who knows? And uh, there might be more to the ship than just it being a luxury liner. And they. Uh, what if this it. is the ship that has the plans for the Death Star on it? Hmm. Maybe. Uh, it's a fun book. Uh, Alex Maleev's art just fits the book, looks great, captures that kind of dark and gritty Star Wars. But every page it looks like Billy D. Williams. It it does, and I believe this as a spice uh, spice a space pirate book. Mm-hmm. And when I was reading this, I had a moment where I was like, "Paul's gonna like this book because it's yep. Lando going over the plan with Lobot." But you're seeing the plan unfold as they're like and working, getting onto the and, ship. 
the it was it, they were able to pack uh, in three different big parts: smooth talking lady, <laughs> two bringing a team together. The, the lady, which the lady's not just a lady though; she's actually like an imperial, yeah, something or other. Yeah, she, no, she's an imperial like assassin. She is the fist of well, the empire. She's ruling that area. Yeah, she's she's tough as nails, but a heart. That is just as sweet as anybody else's. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not Billy D. Williams. I really wish I was at that moment. <laughs> She's a beauty that really belongs here among the clouds. That's all I know. Uh, but I know That's that this line. is definitely one of the best books that came out in July. Uh, yeah, I was as soon as they announced there was going to be a Lando book, I was excited about it. And this delivered what I didn't even know I was ready for. Even just um, Lando talking to that other crime boss, Papa Torin. Yeah, with the little pixies that actually yeah, talked to him. Through his he was like, oh, Papa Torin appreciates your offer, but here's how it's going to be. And then you just get Lando standing there like, uh, what? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know it was already stolen from you. Oh, that's what I'm shocked about, not your offer of 10%. I uh, you know. It, Great it, news, ten percent. Wait, I thought we were supposed to be in the clear. Nah, it's fine. Ten because we're even set up even better now because he also gave us this great score. We so I don't know. Are we ship? going to get a Han Solo like Star Wars story movie or not? Because if we do, I want it to basically be the Lando comic book. Uh, it would be good. It, I would if we're going to get an early. Uh, Han Solo book. I want it to be Han Solo and Lando movie, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You need pre Chewbacca. It would be them two together, right? I think he. I would, no, because Chewie was there. Was he? I don't know. I'm what, not. Ex- what does Chewie do besides go and then like hit things and then steer the ship? Is he the pilot or is Han the pilot? <laughs> Because Han leaves and goes and fires the gun. Who's flying the ship? Chewie? Chewie is. Right. Who's the pilot? Who's flying the ship all the time? Chewie. Right, okay. But then what? But but if it's a Louis and Han solo book... Chewie's still the co-pilot because Han's the pilot who tells him, like, hey, take care of this hyperspace coordinate. Well, wouldn't... wouldn't, So wait, are you saying Miss Davy... the captain of the ship? Are you saying that Miss Davy drives herself? That made me laugh way too much. (laughs) Miss Daisy teaches herself. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Let's show. I'm tired, guys. All right. It's been two weeks. We were owed this, Paul. (laughs) No, no, we were definitely owed this, but man, it's like using a muscle you haven't used in a while. It just tires out quickly. No, you got to work back up. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, rate and review us over on iTunes. Those do mean a lot. They help other people find the show, and it makes us happy every time we oh, see those. Uh, as well as getting new friends on our Facebook page. We yeah. just got one recently. Uh, thank you very much uh, for friending us and listening. We appreciate it all. Uh, it's little things like that that keep us going. We've been doing this for six years. 
We don't ask for anything. We just do it because we love doing it. We do ask that they rate and review us, hey, like hey. us on Facebook, <laughs> and you know buy buy things off of Amazon through our link. Oh, I guess. Well, you can do that. Yeah. Come on, guys. We're a bunch of jerks. <laughs> it's not much. We're not saying we yeah. ask for a lot. Um, Bangboard.com slash Amazon. If you're buying something off of Amazon, it's not going to cost you anything more, but it helps us out. Big time. Uh, and thanks for listening. Oh, and check out uh, our friends over at Parked and Wrecked. Yeah. Hey, that's me. And our friends over at Western WNY Bruce. Yeah. All, yeah, all our I, I always like listening to producer Scott talk about beer. Mm-hmm. I did that live and in person. <laughs> we've done that for almost as long as we've known him. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, uh, also, no, Scott and I have talked about drink. a like team up show. That sounds good. Three podcasts enter. <laughs> Three podcasts enter the park. One podcast can leave. It's honestly very easy for us to do. Oh, good. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Uh, we'll see you later. See you later. Bye.